0: Welcome to the Book of Mormon podcast, where it's all about uncovering questions, thoughts, and discoveries in your own personal Book of Mormon study. I know it seems crazy, but for over four years, I've been writing out the Book of Mormon, word for word, sentence by sentence, paragraph by paragraph. It's amazing what we can learn when we slow down and give space for personal revelation and insights beyond our normal reading pace. I'm Susan Gardner, a convert, a cyclist, and a Zuma to eight amazing grandkids. Come with me as we unveil new perspectives and understanding as I continue to write out the Book of Mormon. Hello, everybody. I'm your host, Susan Gardner, and you're listening to Writing the Book of Mormon Podcast, Season 2, Episode 14. In the previous podcast, we talked about Helaman, Chapter 9. Specifically, we discussed the corrupt judges, the prophecies of Nephi, and the story of the five. This podcast will focus on a well-known encounter between the judges and the murderer, Siantum. As we immerse ourselves in the scene between these crooked members of the iniquitous society and seriously consider the oaths and promises they've made, we'll not only see how the prophet Nephi foretold how things would happen, but also, because of what we learned about some of the oaths and promises of the secret society, we will explore why it could have happened the way it did. It's my goal to present to you an underlying story of betrayal between brothers, treasonous, deceitful sellout. As a quick reminder, in Helaman chapter 9, despite the five's report to the corrupt judges of what they witness arriving at the murder scene, unfortunately the judges weren't persuaded to exempt Nephi from any involvement in the murder of the chief judge. In fact, we read, "...they caused that Nephi should be taken and bound and brought before the multitude." and they began to question him in diverse ways that they might cross him, that they might accuse him to death. They questioned, bribed, and accused him. They were determined to find a way to make it happen, and appear Nephi was mixed up in a plan of murder. Nephi would have none of it. He, of course, could see what they were up to. After admonishing them to repent, he brings to light the real motivation of why they are determined to convict him, and then he announces he will show another sign. Through the sign, he will show the true murderer and in turn will acquit himself from any accusation of wrongdoing. Step by step, he foretells how the judge's confrontation with Siantum takes place. From the judge's first arrival at the house to Siantum's confession of guilt. Now would be a good time to have the list we made in Episode 12 ready to access. This list includes important information, promises, and rules of the secret society found in Helaman Chapter 6. We'll be referencing this list as we kick around ideas and ask questions regarding Nephi's second prophecy. So, let's jump right in. The first direction Nephi gives the judges in his second prophecy was to go to the house of Seantum. The next charge he gives them is, say unto him, see that space between verse 26 and 27? It doesn't take a second to read from one verse to another, but in reality a lot of things must happen in that space. It's important to always give space for time and how it passes and apply it as we read the scriptures. For example, in these verses, we must give space for what needs to happen between the judges being told where to go and what to say when they get there. We need to allow time for them to move from one place to another. I'm going to assume they went together. Now, I ask myself a question. Did they talk to one another as they went to the house, or did they travel in silence? Previously we read about the five running to the judgment seat. We are privy to the conversation they had amongst themselves. Not so here. But chances are they talked while on their way. Wouldn't you agree? Another question. If this conversation happened, what do you think they talked about? The weather? What they had for dinner last night? No, I don't think so. Here we have the judges who are members of the secret band of Gadianton visiting a murderer who is also a member of the secret band. First of all, I believe the judges never seriously considered Nephi being an accomplice to a murder. Prophet or not, they didn't care. In their minds, there are more urgent needs to set right. Having your chief judge murdered by a member of the secret society was nothing new. The judges knew one of their own committed the murder. But there is the problem. They just publicly accused Nephi of being involved in a crime he had nothing to do with. Not arresting him for the crime could make them look bad and possibly give credit to a man professed to be a prophet. Therefore, one of their objectives would be to save face. They would accomplish this by doing the same thing we've seen them do before, causing a distraction. After all, what's more distracting than everyone celebrating the arrest of their true murderer of your chief judge? The judges knew the public would forget about Nephi's prophecy and then they would appear honorable and law-abiding. Perfect. With that plan ready, next they have to plan what to do with the true murderer, Siantum. Here's another opportunity to check our list. As you skim through, you can see one of the promises that are made. It is to protect and preserve one another in whatsoever difficult circumstance they, meaning fellow members, should be placed. Despite this promise in true robber fashion, the judges see their selfish objective of saving their reputation as more important. The second piece of their plan would be to betray Siantum. This proves to be a little tricky because he's also a member of their secret society and they have made a promise to protect him. So this decision to betray a fellow member might prove to be a little sticky. But they find a loophole. Siantum himself had violated a promise. Read through the list and see if you can identify which one it was. Here's the technicality I found. The promise states whatsoever wickedness his brother should do, he should not be injured by his brother, nor by those who did belong to his band who had taken this covenant. Because Siantum injured and in fact murdered a fellow member, I think it quite possible the judges decided this disqualified him from any personal or promised protection or preservation he could receive from the secret band of brothers. Using this infraction against Siantum would make it possible for the judges to meet their objectives. They would arrest the true murderer, therefore saving face, and come off looking respectable to the citizens of Zarahemla. These judges didn't travel in silence. I believe this is the kind of plan that was contrived as they made their way to the house of Siantum. After they arrived at the house and were let in, I wondered, did they know each other? Were they strangers? Either way, I suspect their secret signs and words we learned about were used. That would ease any tension there may have been as they gathered at Siantum's house. Even though Siantum's demeanor seemed calm and came off cool, I am imagining in the back of his mind he may have been a little nervous about having the judges in his house. He may assume they are here to congratulate him on his position as chief judge and to assure him he will be covered for the crime he has committed. After all the formalities and small talk complete, the first question is asked. Has the pretended prophet who doth prophesy so much evil concerning this people agreed with thee in which ye have murdered Sezorim, who is your brother? I'm going off my outline here a bit to talk some about this first question. Don't you find it interesting how the first question is phrased? Keep in mind this question was first dictated by the prophet Nephi to the judges who then repeated it to Siantum. As I hear it, this question is padded with bias. Can you hear it? Listen. Say unto him, Has Nephi the pretended prophet, who doth prophesy so much evil concerning this people, agreed with thee in which ye have murdered Sezazerim, who is your brother? When a question is posed like this, we can hear how it slanted against Nephi. It makes me question why it would be posed this way. My answer would be, put simply, the Lord revealed to his prophet... What word should be used in the first question because, well, he always knows what works best. He knew it would make sense to Seantam, hearing a question phrased in this manner coming from the judges. A question showing disdain for Nephi may have helped Seantam feel more comfortable. I would suppose by this time he feels confident he will be spared from any punishment for his crime. I think that's why he feels free to concede Nephi had nothing to do with the murder. So he answers the question truthfully nay after all he's in the company of those that need an oath to protect him right then comes the next question have ye murdered your brother this question is much more direct than the first i would guess right off seantum would think an odd question coming from people that he was sure already knew the answer you know while studying the scriptures, sometimes i found a passage of time or a moment that seems to stand still these times are not usually written out plainly in words on the page However, if you slow down and think about what's happening, you can feel it. This moment is one of those times for me. Imagine it. As everyone sits in silence, you can just think about Siantum's reactance as such an odd question. He suddenly has a puzzled look on his face. He doesn't answer. It's as though you can see the wheels turning in Siantum's head. He thinks to himself, What do they mean, have you murdered your brother? They know Cisorum was my brother. Why would they ask me that? What a strange question. Have you murdered your brother? Brother. Wait, do they mean brother like a cohort, comrade, or a fellow member of the secret society? As Siantum puts it all together, panic begins to rise in him as he gradually realizes he's going to be betrayed. The following verse tells us, And he shall stand with fear and wist not what to say. And behold, he shall deny unto you and he shall make as if he were astonished. Nevertheless, he shall declare unto you that he is innocent. Standing with fear and looking surprised is a perfect description of a person anticipating protection from his crime, but now realizes he is being abandoned and left on his own. How the tables have been turned! As he comes to grips with all that is beginning to unfold, it is clear to him now. He understands these men are not here to protect him. They are here to convict him! He's in shock. He's speechless. He tries to keep his cool, somehow finds his voice, and he tries to backpedal and lies. Although he's panicked and looking for a way out, he pretends to be surprised and proclaims his innocence. Despite Siantum's shift in behavior, the judges stay the course and continue to take advantage of Nephi's direction. They examine Siantum's clothing and find blood on the bottom of his cloak. They ask him, From whence cometh this blood? Do we not know that it is the blood of your brother?" Siyantum thinks to himself, they don't believe me and now they have found evidence that they will use against me. I'm a dead man. Siantum knows there's no way out. He's overcome with doom and realized the grativity of it all. We read, and then shall he tremble and shall look pale even as if death had come upon him. The judges have him right where they want him. They say to Siantum, because of this fear and this paleness which has come upon your face, behold, we know that thou art guilty, and then shall greater fear come upon him, and then shall he confess unto you and deny no more that he has done this murder. A few verses later we read, Siantum was brought to prove that he himself was the very murderer, insomuch that the five were set at liberty, and also was Nephi. The step-by-step prophecy of the judge's encounter with Siantum exonerating Nephi and how things would happen is well known. As we read his story, consider the secret society's oaths, promises, personal motivations, rules, and give space to allow for real life to happen. We can see not only how this happened, but the possibility of why it could have happened the way it did. The scriptures are chock-full of clues and information I easily pass over time and time again As I have slowed down and made note of those clues and details, read between the lines, asked questions, and honored words used, the scriptures have become a place I can hardly wait to visit. When I am there, I'm at peace. I'm being taught, and I'm content. This will be my last podcast for a while. The list of discoveries to share I made many months ago is now complete. Next, I'll look forward to writing out the last four books of this amazing text. After doing this, I anticipate a whole new list of discoveries to share with you. Before I sign off, I want you to know, through this process of writing out the Book of Mormon, I've become very familiar with stories and characters found in it. But you know what I found the most striking thing about this book? The most striking discovery I've made about this book is, I know for myself it's true. No one has convinced me, deceived me, or talked me into the truth of this book. I can't tell you the number of times I've looked up from writing and have said out loud, there's no way anyone could have made this book up. Being immersed in the Book of Mormon daily was inspirational, encouraging, emotional, eye-opening, astounding, and thought-provoking. Never was there a morning when I regretted the time I spent involved with this project. I can honestly say I'm a better person because I slowed my pace and gave space for this book in my life. I'm convinced you cannot do what I've done and come to a different conclusion. I hope something that was said out loud or whispered to your heart made listening to this podcast worthwhile. I have thoroughly loved sharing insights and ideas I've had as I've written out the Book of Mormon. I appreciate your comments and encouragement. They mean a lot to me. Thank you so much. Until the next time, remember, it's not important you discover it first. It's more important. Discover it for yourself. Slow pace gives space.